No closet religion. Oh, y'all ready not to have any closet religion today? Yeah, you know, sitting here, that's easy to say because this could be one great big closet. But we leave here, right? So I don't have a closet religion. That means we take that faith with us in everything we do and everyone we meet and wherever we are. We don't have a closet religion. That means we go beyond these doors into the world. And in those spaces, we practice our faith. And we're not shy about it because people know we do it because of our love of God, our love of Christ, that we act this way in the world. So, closet religion, thank you. Thank you for that. Daniel's having some trouble because he didn't have a closet religion. You know, the king in Daniel's time had signed this decree, this law that said, you will only pray to me. He'd been manipulated into it by enemies of Daniel. They had said, we don't like Daniel, he's got too much power. He's one of those people that's in exile, isn't he? Why is he getting all this treatment? So they decided to get rid of Daniel, and the way they do it is they do this decree that says you can't pray for anyone but me to the king. And so they know Daniel's going to stand up for his faith. In the words of our hymn that came, us back after, came back after peace, a world where we can be free to work, to witness, to have faith. Daniel's practicing that freedom, even in exile. He knows that wherever he is, he still has God, and that God is with him. So where we are in the story of these prophets, two weeks ago, the northern kingdom got taken away during the time of Isaiah. No longer at home. Few people left to tend the crops, but they were taken away to Assyria. Last week, southern kingdom, Judah, gets taken away to Babylon. Jeremiah warned them, and they wouldn't listen, and they got conquered and got taken away, and that's who Daniel's a part of at this time. He's not in his own home. He's not in his own land. He's got other people more powerful than him. He doesn't get to make those choices that he used to get to make before. And so when you're in exile, you tell certain kinds of stories. You tell stories of what it's like for God to be with you. And so in the book of Daniel, who may not be the person's name, because, you know, it wasn't actually safe to say the person's name, right? You know, in the book so far, you hear stories of, do you all remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? The three ones that were thrown into the fire? There's a wonderful little song about that. There is. It's cool in the furnace, man. Do you all know that? It's cool. It's cool in the front. So they're already telling these stories of faith of what it means to be in exile. And at any moment in time, everything you have can be taken away from you and be thrown into the furnace. And what happens in Daniel is that in the furnace, there's God. Right there with them in that moment in time. And those three, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, come out of the furnace and they're fine. And then the people who had it in for them get in trouble. Well, we advance in the story of Daniel to this story of being thrown in the lion's den. And these are particular forms of writing known as apocalyptic literature. Have you heard that word before, apocalyptic? Often we think of the book of Revelation, or we think of some major end time, some major disaster for apocalyptic. When you're in exile, you write this kind of writing. This kind of writing is, has codes and symbols in it that you're talking to your own people, so your own people have hope, but the people who are over you don't know what you're talking about. So you don't get in trouble when you start to tell these stories of God being with us right now, the stories of God returning us home, 
the stories of Nebuchadnezzar, your land is about to be overrun by more people, the stories that the people who are powerful don't want to hear, you tell them in these words of signs and stories of God being with you at all these times. So are you ready to get thrown in the furnace? Are you ready to get thrown in a lion's den? Do you practice closet religion, or you practice religion that might get you in trouble someday? What kind of religion do you think Jesus practiced? You know, sometimes religion just gets us in trouble every now and then. So in exile, we're telling these wonderful stories of faith. I love it that we have on the altar cloth today this uh, cloth that's multiple, multiple pieces of fabric that we each prayed over from Good Friday to Easter Sunday. I don't know if you remember Good Friday, but on Good Friday we said, take these prayer cloths home, pray for them, pray for the hope we have for our church, for our people, pray for them and bring them back to us. And they brought them back to us from Good Friday, and Mama Rose pieced them together into this quilt that we have here. And with her creativity and her imagination, she put this wonderful rainbow-colored fabric right in the middle of it. That's an apocalyptic piece of fabric. <laughs> It's apocalyptic because right in the middle of exile, there's this bright joy of faith right in the middle of it that says God is with us even on Good Friday, even now, even today. So here we're in exile, and what does that feel like? What is that like? Can you trust anybody in exile? You know, that king likes Daniel. Boy, with friends like that. The king likes Daniel. You know, he's gotten himself into a trap, and instead of looking bad, he decides to throw him into the lion's den. And what did y'all sing in that lion's den? He used the lions for what? A mattress and a pillow. You know, that's apocalyptic writing. You know, lions become mattresses and pillows for those who are faithful to God. That's a sign of hope. And it's a big sign of apocalypse for me because there's this other image other than disaster when we talk about apocalypse in, in, in the scripture. And that image is the peaceable kingdom. Have y'all heard that image before? Where the lion shall lay down with the lamb and war will be no more. That's an apocalyptic song and quilt and story of what is God's realm like. A new vision, a new, a new world for us. Oh my, so can Daniel trust anyone in exile? Can you ever trust anyone in exile when you are the person that doesn't have the power? So here's one of his friends that's going to throw him in the lion's den. You know, you can get seduced by power. You might think you're safe until you're not. You know, Daniel gets in trouble because he continues praying and he continues praying in a certain way. He has his windows open so you can see him. No closet for Daniel. The windows are open. So the people who want to trap him are watching and they see it and they go and tell the king he's paying no attention to you. And then he gets thrown in the lion's den. No closet religion for Daniel. He's going to continue praying to God because that's how he knows who he is. Not in his own land. Not with his own family anymore. Not with his own people. He knows who he is in exile because he's praying morning noon and evening he knows his identity in God and God is with him well exile can seem sometimes like a plush place I love it that they called it closet religion he's not living in have any of you ever thought you'd have a better life if you had stayed in that closet 
where you promised there would be no glass ceiling for you, you know, if you would only behave. You can come home for Thanksgiving dinner, just don't be in our face. You can do all these things. If you just stay in that closet, any of you made that bargain for a little while, for a long while, maybe still have parts of it in your life, those closets can feel comfy too. We'll put some air conditioning in that closet for you. <laughs> you know, it's August, you'll need it. You know, closets seduce us into not proclaiming our faith. The faith of who we know God and Jesus to be, the faith of who we know we are as lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender people. The faith that we can hold those things together. Closets want to separate us apart. So I want to tell you a story more recent in our history of some of that time in our culture. What did it mean to be a people in exile? What did it mean to think you were part of families? What did it mean to not be able to trust on any of that? Because at any moment, it could disappear. So I want you to see this clip from The Help. It's just plain dangerous. They carry different diseases than we do. Pass. That's why I've drafted the Home Health Sanitation Initiative. The what? A disease preventative bill that requires every white home to have a separate bathroom for the colored health. It's been endorsed by the White Citizens Council. Maybe we should just build you a bathroom outside, Hilly. You want? No. Now, now, Hilly has written a new edict. You know, she's trying to get it passed in the state that every white family needs to have a separate bathroom for people of color in their house. She's after some Daniels. She wants to get them in trouble, and she wants to get them to behave the way she wants them to behave, and she's willing to throw out people into the water closets that they will build for them in the garage and in the backyard so that they're not even thinking they're part of the family. My, such ugliness. Later, that same character, Hilly, says, well, there are real racists out there. You kind of wonder what she thinks they are doing. <laughs> you know, what do you think they're doing? So that closet, you know, what is it like to think you're part of something and then get tossed out? What is it like to even not have power in your own home and to be afraid to live in exile in your own society. What does it mean to do that when you care and you love and you connect and you have faith that things can change and be different? I want to show you another scene from The Help to show how much care and love were in these relationships. Hurry, I believe. May Mosley's up and I'm off to the doctor. Yeah, baby's bathroom, Mama. Hey, baby. No, 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 honey. Promise me you won't go in there, okay? Me. I'm right here, baby girl. Say, it's so nice to have your own Abilene. That's mine.
you are my real mama, Abby. So the closet got built and she was sent out to the garage, even though she loved and cared and was loyal, was doing everything God called her to do. Did you hear what the woman said as she was headed for the car? Don't you love your new bathroom, Abilene? You know, sometimes people make closets for us and they want us to be happy about it. You know, and when we're not happy about it, then we, they say, look at everything I've done for you. <laughs> done for me? Or done for you? you know, I don't know about what kind of closets you've been living in or what have been built for you, but my, oh my, what does it mean to try and come out of those closets and not let them restrict you, no matter what others want for you? One of the characters in that movie, Skeeter, you know, she, they're trying to put a closet around her. They say, if you're good and if you behave, we might even be able to find you a husband, even though you have that kinky hair. Right? If you're good and you behave, if you know your place, we'll find you a husband. People are doing it for us all the time, and they want us to be happy that they've built this wonderful closet for us. So how do we, in that exile, release be free. Pray with the windows open. Throw them wide so that people see that, yes, I am a person of faith. Yes, I am gay. And yes, God loves me and is with me. You can throw me in that fire and God's going to be with me. You can throw me in the, with those lions and I am going to use them for pillows. That's the kind of faith Daniel was talking about and living into. What kind of faith is that that we have? There are times in my life when I've been called to practice civil disobedience, you know, because those closets they wanted to put us in weren't big enough, and even though they had air conditioning, it wasn't the right kind, because I still needed to breathe. And some of those, I tried to get arrested maybe four or five times now, and it hasn't worked yet. <laughs> you know, you plan an action, you go do it, and then you see what they're going to do with you. And so far we planned good actions because it didn't end up in arrest. But one of those actions, we're on our knees uh, at 6 a.m. in the morning in Pittsburgh along the river, and it's freezing, we're on cement, and we're doing a prayer vigil, and we're blocking doors so that people can't get in to make those wrong decisions that they've been making. And then we've been told we can't do that, we're going to get arrested, we're going to haul you off, and we're still there, we're still doing it, and we're kneeling. Just before we get ready to go in, this young pastor, a woman named Tiffany, gets up there and talks to us. She's 27, 28 years old. She's been preparing us for this nonviolent action of civil disobedience. And she says, now, you can't even pray violently. I was ready to smote some people while I was praying on my knees. <laughs> she said, you can't even pray violently. Uh, oh, no, what am I going to do? And I had to grow in that moment in time of what it meant to trust God and be in faith with God and know that God's going to take care of it and make lions my pillows all along the way. Can't even pray violently. Gandhi said that the book of Daniel was the greatest book he'd ever read about civil disobedience, about nonviolence, how to be who you are, how to change the system, even in the midst of having no power yourself. So Gandhi lifts up Daniel as the greatest civil disobedience character in our scripture. Man, are we called into that kind of action when we leave here?
What does it mean to change systems in such ways that they come tumbling down? Can we trust God enough to fling those doors open wide and take the action that we know needs to be taken? In our own families, in our own relationships, in the world, it can be small, it can be big, but when we say we got no closet religion, that means we're trusting God to be with us in each and every step we take, even when there's a risk involved in it. And even when people are working their hardest to build those closet walls up around you while you're moving around, still putting them up. I think I'll do a health sanitation initiative. Is that what she said? Trying to put those walls up around people. Sometimes, even in our own community, we have people who want to build those closets around us. I went to the first Creating Change Conference, which is hosted by the National Gay and Lesbian Task Force. I was with a group of clergy that went because they were starting some faith programming. And so we went, it was, um, I believe, in Michigan. And at that place, uh, about 12 of us clergy showed up and they wanted us to wear our collars. And I don't know about you, but about um, eight, nine years ago, nine clergy people walking into a group of 2,000 lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender young people, mostly young people, uh, was about like Daniel walking into the lion's den. You know? Didn't matter that I was gay. It mattered that I was wearing a collar. And was I safe to be around? And they would have put those walls up around me so fast if I let them. But I kept my collar on all week as I went through the conference, and so did my colleagues. And as we went along, we started to meet people. Uh, they would come up to us and start talking to us. And one woman was very angry. She came up and she was talking to me, and she was just pushing, you know, how bad faith is, how bad Christianity is, how much it's hurt people, and how we should just give it all up. She came back the next day and she talked some more. Same kind of stuff. Came back to a workshop we did. And it was supposed to be a workshop about ecumenical cooperation. And it ended up being a workshop about how to heal from what the church does. Because that's who showed up in the room. On the last day of the conference, she showed me, she took her little blouse over her shoulder, showed me a tattoo on the back of her shoulder. It was a cross and flame, the symbol of the United Methodist Church that she had grown up in. She had marked it upon her body that this was her faith. I don't know about you, but I grew up Methodist, and I, I know there's lots of people who see a cross and flame. It's not a good thing. It's not a good thing to see a cross surrounded by flames. But what she said to me at that time was, I can be who I am again. This is who I am too. I am a tattooed, pierced young adult who likes to be called queer and rides a motorcycle. And I love Jesus. And this is my tradition. The closets we build around us to keep us separate, to keep us compartmentalized, they don't help us. Fling them open. Fling the doors open. Let the parts of yourself meet one another and exist together. What does it mean to have no closet religion? Don't build walls between yourselves and others. What does it mean to trust God that much? Well, Daniel is putting a story up there. He's saying God's with me each and every step of the way. That's that 
apocalyptic writing so that the people who would get us in trouble don't know what we're even saying. So I want to tell you in that book, The Help, they do some apocalyptic writing of their own. They start to tell stories of what it means, what it means to be living in this exile. What does it mean to be a maid? What does it mean to be a person of color living in a powerful white world? What does it mean to love these families that then throw us into the fire? What does it mean to be faithful and call out God three times a day? So Abilene, the main character, says, you know, I find it better if I write my prayers. She's been writing prayers for a long time, and she's writing her own book of Daniel, and it becomes a book called The Help. What does it mean to write our book of dreams and visions? What does it mean to pray that much? Listen to this clip of what it means. What are all these calls doing out here? We late? No, we ain't late. Why aren't you singing? We got to worry about getting in and get our seats. Come on now, we late. an important time in our community and we have to thank you for what you have done now we know you couldn't put your name in here so we all signed our own We know you can't put your name on this. So we've all put ours. That is the story of faith. Daniel's name is not really on that book. It's for all of the people to write their name in it. This morning you were asked not to have a closet religion to throw the doors open wide, to write your name in the book because it is for you. That whatever exile you experience, wherever you are in your life, whatever brings you here this morning to this place and time, there's a space for you to write your name. Are you ready? No more closet. Inside, outside, as fast as they build them, you can knock them down. Thanks be to God. Amen.